Welcome to anyone who's joining us in the recorded meeting. This is the uh, 9th of December Interledger Community Call. Um, on the agenda today, we've got a couple of items, um, starting with some discussion of open payments. Uh, we want to have a look at, um, want to have a kind of a quick um, issue triage if we can. Um, there's a bunch of issues on the issue list that haven't been looked at for a while, maybe worth quickly discussing. Some can probably be closed. Some are probably things we want to action um, and get done pretty soon. Uh, then there's also a um, some stuff we've been working on at COIL, which is sort of uh, potentially new uh, standard feature we could add to open payments, which keen to chat a bit about. Um, that should be pretty quick. Uh, I want to introduce Jill, um, or Jill can introduce herself. She wants to talk a bit about the project she's involved in, which is um, being partly funded by Grant for the Web. Um, she introduced herself on the Slack channel earlier today. So for those who missed that, um, uh, she'll give us a, an overview of what she's doing. And then Kincaid uh, did a, a demo internally at COIL yesterday, which I unfortunately missed. Um, but I'm hoping we can get him to show us that or we have time to go through that as well. Um, I'm going to suggest we move the issue triage to the end because it could take up the whole meeting otherwise. Um, and what we can do is, you know, maybe start with you, Jill, if, if you don't mind, um, and then uh, do some of the open payment stuff and, and get to Kincaid before the issue triage as well. So we'll, yeah, we might jumble things around a bit. Um, just to try and make sure we we leave the triage for last. And I think Kincaid asked to go a little bit later. It sounded like you were dialing in remotely, Kincaid. Um, but uh, we'll start with start with Jill and, and then take it from there. So Jill, do you want to give us an intro, uh, what you're up to? Um, and, and yeah, I guess also uh, how can we help get involved um, as the Interledger community? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Jill Burrows. Um, I'm currently working with uh, Geeks Without Bound. And uh, that's Geeks Without Bounds. Sorry, I dropped the S. Um, and uh, disco.coop. Um, and uh, what we're attempting to do is essentially create um, it's kind of an answer to distributed autonomous organizations that's rooted more in humanity. Uh, and so there's you know some um, some principles that are embodied embodied in them around uh, democracy, valuing uh, care work, and um, other things that aren't typically looked at in most models of work today. Um, the basic gist of it is that it's going to be this kind of huge platform, really, that helps people adjust to this new way of working and organizing. Uh, and uh, part of it is obviously uh, tracking credits uh, or how people work, right? So we break down work into three different things. There's livelihood work, there's love work, and there's care work. Uh, livelihood is what pays the bills. Um, love work is, at least according in the Gorilla Media Collective, they have um, pro bono translation that they do. And they're kind of the people that started the whole disco co-op thing. Um, and what, um, you know, so that's work that ends up getting paid uh, to people that are doing that, but it only gets paid when there's like an excess of, um, of income into the cooperative. 
Uh, and the same thing goes for care work, but care work is like everything that actually helps keep the organization alive. Uh, and so what we've been thinking about is, you know, a lot of people end up making uh, websites and um, there's a lot of work that goes into it with various different people contributing to a particular web page. Uh, and so we took a look at that and saw that there's an opportunity to help use um, web monetization in Interledger to essentially help people get funded uh, within a co-op and use essentially sort of a contractual language is going to be the language of value flows um, to divvy up the money that comes in or the value that flows into the cooperative over web monetization um, and split it up to all the people that are going to get it. So that's kind of the general gist. Um, okay, it sounds it sounds really interesting. So so you guys have um, are grantees of the Grant for the Web Foundation. Um, what's your like? What's what's the scope of what you're planning to do next? And you know how could people? I saw sort of a, a call for input on the Slack channel. I don't know if you want to mention how people can get involved or help out or what you're looking for. Um, more broadly. Oh, sorry. I, my internet just sort of cut out. It said my internet connection was unstable. Um, I think you're going to have to repeat what you just said. <laughs> That's okay. So, so uh, I'll try and be more uh, succinct. How, how can the uh, Interledger community, which is most of the people on this call today and others, um, help you out? How can we help you do what it is that you've got in scope for your grant? So, um, I guess I, I need a, a better understanding of like how current implementations are kind of working. Um, Cause like I have a good conceptual understanding of, you know, like the protocols and how they all work together. Um, but, you know, it would be really interesting to go through and like really understand like even the, um, like the accounting side of things um, in terms of like, you know, what would it take for a, a disco to get set up and have their own interledger connector? And, you know, like, would they have to have their own funds set aside on the network? Is there somebody already on the network that would want to act as the interledger connector? Um, you know, basically, uh, mm. I think those are my main concerns. Okay, interesting. Um, sort of dovetails a bit with stuff we've discussed before. Like one of the the early uh, ideas was that you know a lot of the interledger sort of network would be community run and people would run their own connectors. I think that could still be the future state, but that would be through you know licensed money transmitting organizations that kind of provide your uplink um, in the same way that your internet service provider gives you your internet uplink today. Um, and I think what's happening at the moment is sort of figuring out who's going to be the initial core interledger service providers. So the current sort of the only real money networks are, I want to be careful to be clear on that. Like there's a few, there's a few networks that people have created and are, 
you know, using to do testing. But as far as I'm aware, the only ones where actual settlement occurs and real money after the fact is the network that's being used for web monetization. So that involves Coil, Uphold, and GateUp um, all connected together. And, and there's a lot of sort of discussion and work going on to see how that can be opened up, where it means adding new peers, which would be people who directly connect into the network and sort of participate maybe at the same tier, if you like, or whether it's people who hold accounts with those organizations. So you get an Uphold account, but then Uphold allow you to access the Interledger network directly. So at the moment, if you get an account at Uphold or GitHub, for example, and, and soon Coil, um, you can get payment pointers and you can receive payment there, but you can't connect to your account directly using the Interledger protocol. So you can't send packets directly out of your account or receive them and fulfill them yourself. That's all sort of abstracted away by the, the providers. So that's sort of the next step, in my opinion, on the evolution. I don't know if others have thoughts. I know this is something we've discussed at length in this community. Yeah, uh, I, I was noticing Want to add anything there? <laughs> so so um, we, when we discussed it uh, a while back and Stefan, who's the CEO at COIL was on the call, um, he made the appeal to members of the community to just get hold of COIL directly if they wanted a direct interledger connection, um, you know, because there are people who want to start doing some experimentation and building things. And I think at least for now, while the scale is small and where we can manage it, um, Quill's happy to facilitate that. So I know of at least one or two people who have reached out and are, you know, um, doing that today. Um, but it's not really a, it's not called a public service we're offering as Quill today. But uh, if that's something you wanted to explore, um, we could definitely do that as a a way to get started. That would be very helpful. Cool. Uh, anyone else, David, you and your team, anything to add there on like what you guys have been doing? No, not, not at the moment, but uh, cool. I like the use case, we'll, we'll keep thinking about it. Okay. Thanks, Joel. I uh, appreciate the intro and thanks for joining us. Um, I, I think probably Slack's, Slack in the forum is the best place to keep engaging. I, I had a very brief look at the doc you put up on GitLab. It's a, it's a really nice summary. I need to read it in a bit more detail. Um, but it's great to see kind of people who haven't been involved from the beginning put down their impression of what Interledger is and where it's gone to and um, and and kind of get a look through your eyes of what you see. So we've all been in this, a lot of us have been doing this for so long, it's it's difficult to have a, an objective opinion. <laughs> um, Kincaid, do you have, um, do you want to do your demo now? Or um, do you want to, do you want me to chat a bit about the open payments payment page, this idea? I think it's about ready here. Um, just joining from another device. One moment. I think. There we go. 
you don't have you on audio, I don't know if that's intentional, but I guess that means you can't hear me either. Um, give Kincaid a minute or two to figure out his technical issues. Um, oh, David, yeah. Uh, so David asked if there's a link to the overview. Um, Jill posted some stuff in Slack. Um, I think the links are there, but I'll, I'll pull them up and share them in this um, channel as well. Hello. Uh, Hey, Kincaid, we have you back. Hey, sorry about that. I had to switch no device. Um, yeah, so yeah, I can do this right. Um, Great, go for it. So um, I guess I give the kind of high level as um, this is, uh, this will be a demonstration of a flow that enables users to um, uh, make payments online using an interledger wallet or provider they've configured um, and it enables websites uh, to request uh, a payment or tip. Um, so they might embed some kind of button on their website um, that the user clicks to check out um, or initiate this flow. Um, the, prob uh, the problem this is trying to solve is how do you do this in an open way uh, without each website having to say, I only support this part this or these particular wallets. Um, you want the, what, what, what this flow solves is it enables the website to discover um, what Interledger wallet user supports. Um, so it can initiate this flow um, and then the user, uh, uh, to direct the user to their wallet so they can authorize uh, the payment uh, to the website. All right, so we'll see. Kate, are you sharing screen? I don't see anything if you are. Oh, there you go. Okay, there we go. All right. So I'm on a blog here. And then if I click this nice tip button, um, it redirects me to uh, my, my wallet. Uh, do I want to tip? There'd be some information about the payment uh, that's going to occur here. Um, and then I can click tip and then the tip is complete. And then if I have multiple wallets registered, um, maybe not. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. To cut Kincaid some slack here, yeah, I asked him if he could do this demo about an hour ago. <laughs> so, sorry for putting you on the spot, Kincaid. That's all right. Okay, well, we'll switch to the video demo instead. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, 
um, that, that's kind of like the, the, the brief flow, you know, you click the button, you go to your wallet for authorization, but how, how does that work? So first you need to, in order to get this to work, you need to register your wallet um, with interledger.org, which saves that in a cookie. Um, so you're prompted uh, whether you want it to remember your wallet. And this is kind of what that looks like. Uh, well, that's there. Um, so your wallet would redirect you to interledger.org. Interledger.org would render this sheet. Do you want to save this wallet um, so it can be used for future payments? If you approve that, then it will get saved. And then you can be redirected back to your wallet. And then um, you can use that on mobile, uh, or I guess this is the same demo, but just on mobile. Um, where we have one configured wallet, we're automatically redirected to our wallet and we're able to complete the payment. Um, now, if we have- so that, that tip, sorry, so the interstitial there, when you click tip there, um, that was actually the, the coil wallet that you added. That was the, so interledger.org, like you, you were redirected to interledger.org. It saw that you only had one wallet and so it automatically sent you to that wallet. Yes, yep. Okay, cool, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go through a little more how that works. Okay, uh, cool. So here's if I had multiple registered wallets, uh, when I click the tip button, instead of going directly to one of those wallets, I'm actually going to um, you know, this interledger.org domain. Um, now I see the options I can choose from Coil or Rafiki. Cool, okay. And then uh, continues to uh, my wallet there. So the idea is um, uh, when, you, when you click the tip button, the uh, client code on the website opens a pop-up um, with uh, to uh, the mediator, which is right, probably some interledger.org hosted domain that has access to that cookie with your registered wallets. Um, and then it either automatically redirects to your wallet if you only have one registered or it renders the selection sheet if you have um, multiple wallets registered. Cool, okay. That's the, yeah, that's the gist of the uh, flow. Um, and and um, if there are- Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm certainly interested. Um, we, don't, we aren't gonna be sure on time. So if you, if you don't mind. So I, I'm I'm assuming part of the reasoning for the interstitial is to support um, scenarios where you don't have like payment requests and payment handlers in the browser, right? Because that's sort of what that tries to solve for. Or would you yeah. use it in both cases? Yeah. So a lot. Yeah, a lot of this is designed around being able to support iOS, Safari, um, Firefox. Okay. Scenarios oh, okay. where human handler support, but I, I think we may want to use this flow even in some places where we do have uh, payment handler support, or this in addition to um, payment request potentially. Okay, um, interesting. What's interesting is it's kind of it, it's there's a strong analogy here with um, 
click to pay and the and the uh, initiative that the card networks have recently launched um like the 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 technology or the like the project at least before it was branded was called secure remote commerce soc and so it was a sort of joint effort by the major card networks to find a unifying kind of brand to make online checkout simpler and i i think i i mean i'm speculating it's driven by um sort of a need to uh have something in the market to compete with apple pay and google pay and so on um and so click to pay is kind of the answer and they they've been dealing with a lot of the similar challenges of um you know you've got three or four competitive brands um or more uh who want to um, provide a kind of unified experience. And, you know, if you've paid once with your MasterCard and then you land on a new site and you decide to pay with your Visa card, like that should still be relatively seamless and so on. So it's, it, yeah, it, there's a lot of um, analogies here. I think we have the advantage of building on a blank canvas, which helps. Um, uh, and, and the onboarding flow is a lot cleaner like they the way they have to do onboarding requires a lot of very complex back-end integrations between slc systems as they call them um, so if you kind of type your card in and it's identified as a mastercard then the this entity that's hosting the front end goes and speaks to mastercard directly to check your like get an identity and there's there's some sort of like user identifier sharing that goes on and stuff like that um, it gets really difficult Um, David, any, uh, did you post something somewhere? I saw a message pop up. I don't know if that was about this or about the previous topic. No, just, uh, when these get more, uh, maybe when the videos get more polished, it'd be great to oh, definitely keen to. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I think, I mean, sorry, I like to say, I put Kincaid on the spot. Um, he, he did this internally last night. I just thought since the agenda was pretty um, slim today, maybe we could get an early preview. So thanks, Kincaid. Um, anything else you wanted to add there? Yeah, no, no. I mean, still, still pretty early. Still a lot of like security considerations. Um, I think branding considerations, you know, what domain host this what is the brand introduced to user like what kind of button are they clicking um how do you how do you introduce that to users um there's some privacy considerations with the mediator um as well because payment information may have to go through the mediator so you know how do you ensure that um mm -hmm. here um but yeah, definitely. And then so also some UX challenges, uh, like, oh, what if your cookies get cleared or, or things like that? Um, sure. And that's, yeah, that's that's one of the big ones that the, the payment networks are freaking out about is how do you get browsers to treat um, like a, a payment identity as different to cookies? So if I choose to clear my cookies, can you have a special subcategory that says like, accept my identifiers for payments because like those are a real pain to re <laughs> to re-enroll something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks very much. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, definitely keen to to uh, come back to this when when um, 
when the, the demos like polished and you want to do a sort of end-to-end full -end, um, demo. So thanks, thanks for that quick preview. Um, any questions for Kincaid or we can move on to the payment pages idea? Okay. Um, so payment pages, I think we've discussed before, but um, let me provide the full background. Uh, so today with open payments, um, when you get a payment pointer, the payment pointer is implied to be pointing either to an account or an invoice. Um, and so what you would normally do is you do a get against that URL um, and you specify an accept media type um, that is, uh, well, if it's SPSP, it's something like uh, application-SPSP4. Um, but open payments suggest using uh, something slightly different and I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's, a, it's, it's not a standard media type. And so the response you get back is a JSON object, which contains like your ILP address and secret and, and, um, and so on. And actually one of the issues we can look at just now is a discussion around so backwards compatibility uh, between ILP and SPSP in that regard. What payment pages is suggesting is that a payment pointer should also be something you can just, that URL is something you just type into your browser. And so if a, a open payment server receives a GET request where the accepted media type is text HTML, it can actually render a human readable page that makes sense. So if it's a payment pointer for an individual or an account or something, they may choose to actually show their name on that page. Um, or whatever, you know, wallets could could customize how it works. But the idea would be to um, specify in the spec that text HTML is a valid accept media header, uh, media type header, and that wallets should respond to that. Um, so I don't know if we want to mandate it or make it a should, but that they should respond with a human readable, you know, HTML re rendering of a page that allows the uh, client to make payments to that payment pointer. Um, so that's something uh, we're planning to roll out at COIL just to test the waters. And um, Matt, who unfortunately couldn't make the call, has built a, a kind of quick mock-up of what that might look like. Um, at the risk of showing you something I shouldn't show you, I'm gonna give you a quick view of what it looks like. Um, it features a few things that are not available publicly yet to anyone, um, but I'm sure nobody will mind too much. Um, and basically what you're gonna see, let me just find it first. Um, what you're seeing is a payment page. Um, I'm not sure in the screen share if you're able to see the URL bar. Yes. Yeah, you are. You are. Okay, cool. So, so that URL is a payment pointer URL. So normally, you know, this is for Matt's account and normally he could take that and put it into a meta tag on a page and it would be monetized. And what we've implemented is if you visit that URL, we actually rendered this page that you can see. Um, and we put the tag into the, into the uh, meta tag. So you can see um, that my coil, um, 
extension is paying this page and what Matt's implemented is a little listener for the payment event. So you can see I've sent Matt two cents already. Um, and then there's a couple of other features here that you know are only available to a small group of us internal testers um, because we still have to figure out how we, uh, how we bill people for doing these. But the other thing you could do here is actually send a tip. So this would be a good example of like somebody who's um, got an account at Coil, we've given them this payment pointer, uh, they can use that payment pointer for web monetization. But if anyone actually visits the URL of that payment pointer, they land on this page. And things we might choose to do here is allow that person to put their name on here if they want to, but by default, they wouldn't. So the payment pointer is very anonymous, but someone might, you know, in the same way as you use like cash tags and paypal.me links, might choose to actually build something of a like public profile page here. And that way people who want to send the money can visit this page and verify they're sending to the right person or the right company or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm going to show off some of Matt's cool, cool um, UX. Uh, what happens when you send a tip is it, it actually does send a tip. So it's sent a, a cent. Um, if you send 10 cents, it's even more extravagant, lightning, fireworks, and the whole whole deal. Um, I don't even want to know what's going to happen when I click one dollar. Um, probably a lot, um, but Matt will be happy. So what's happened in the background there is um, we've actually done a full uh, stream payment between um, uh, from me to from my coil account to Matt's. Um, and uh, that's something we plan to roll out, you know, more broadly uh, in the near future at Coil. But but I think the payment page concept is one I'm quite keen to add to open payments as part of the standard, um, where the the sort of normative text would be that while it should uh, respond to text HTML and they should render a page that allows um, the owner of the account to identify themselves or identify the account or just provide. Uh, user interactive ways for um, making payments to the account, requesting payments and so on. And I think what's quite nice is if the payment pointer represents an invoice, it could also provide details like that. So if it's a payment pointer that was created for an invoice, you could provide you know, the amount owed, you could provide details. Um, it's kind of up to wallets you know, to be creative there and, and really provide a, a good UX. Um, yeah, so that's the idea. Any thoughts? Um, specifically interested here if people think this should be kind of a normative requirement uh, or, or a must, um, normatively or not. Uh, anyone else who's implemented open payment servers? Is this something that seems pretty straightforward for you to do? Looking at like Noah, be, Neil, David. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would be. Um, it's been a while since we've touched open payments, honestly. So I don't know if you have any uh, any thoughts that come to mind. Not sure if Noah is on the call. I think I saw him, but I saw his name, but he may be muted and unknowing or. <laughs> or not. Anyway, um, if there's not a lot of further uh, comments, what I'll do is I'll write up a PR um, 
to make changes to the what's on the site um, to add this and we can we can iterate a bit on that PR to iron out the details. Um, certainly from coil side we plan to implement this whether it becomes part of the standard or not I guess is up for us to figure out. Um, uh, I, I think especially in the invoice case, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it would be really nice to um, give someone a payment pointer that represents an invoice and for them to actually be able to visit that invoice um, and see the details and even have, you know, a button to click to pay it. Like if you visited that page with a web browser that had, for example, wallets loaded in like a way that Kincaid showed, I could click the pay this invoice button and it would, you know, prompt me to pick my wallet and I would just pay it. Um, I think we're starting to pull together some really nice interoperable pieces. Adrian, I think one thing I'm um, like, great demo, by the way, it sounds really cool. I'm also really interested in, <laughs> and maybe you can't speak to this, but how, how the billing will work. So what, one, yeah, that's, that's, the, that, that's the reason it's not publicly available yet. Okay. Um, is is we we don't want to just give away money um so we we're trying to figure that out it's i think each wallet will will have to um figure that out from coil side like we're not a traditional sort of wallet that people use as a store of value so for us um the likely case is we will um, try to aggregate all the tips and payments people make and and um, charge it to their cards. We might only enable this functionality, for example, to for people whose card details we have. So they've signed up for a Coil subscription. We're already billing them five dollars a month, and so if they want to do tips and you know send these sort of discrete payments, we'll just add those up and add it to the five dollars. If it gets sort of to a, some sort of limit that we set, we might do a, a charge in the middle of the month. Um, that seems like the most obvious way. Um, if you're putting it on top of the $5, we've already sort of written off the fees for the $5. We've, we've accounted for those at least written off is not the right word. Um, so we don't have to worry too much about that, but yeah, you know, different wallets will have different approaches. Like if, if an uphold, for example, offered something similar, they would probably only allow you to send tips or make payments if you have balance in your wallet, like it would be prepaid. Um, that's my guess. Yeah, um, I, I was just thinking like an alternative would be to somehow charge, like charge the user 10 bucks or whatever. Um, and then that money is effectively like gone. They can't get it back, but they can use it for tipping. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of discussion internally about the best way to do this. I think we'll probably experiment with a few options. Um, you, you kind of balance user experience with, um, you know, fees. So yeah. the better the better the user experience, generally you end up with um, higher sort of percentage of the payment getting eaten up by fees. And then the question is, well, okay, like, is there a point where you just say, well, you have to pass on the fees to someone? So either the user or the recipient like has to pay the fee. So if the user sends a $1 tip, does the recipient only get 95 cents? Um, or does the user get charged a dollar five? How does the UX work for that? Um, so yeah, there's a lot to figure out there. But I, I think um, that's not, that's in sort of competitive space. I don't think that impacts the standard. Although there's stuff in the standard we need to have right to facilitate the different options. Um, is my 
is my intuition on this without having dived into it too much. One of the things we want to have working um, soon is like invoices, open payments invoices. So I think that that will be really important. Like if if a tip button um, involves sending a tip involves actually creating an invoice and paying that invoice. So you have a fixed destination amount and potentially the user even being able to attach like a message to it. So, you know, thinking about Kincaid's demo or what I just showed, if I hit the tip button, I get a prompt like, you know, do you want to send a message or say yes. And in the background, what actually happens is my wallet creates an invoice at the receiver's wallet, pays that, and part of the invoice is like the message, stuff like that. For now, it's it's just a straight stream to the um, payment point of the page. Cool. Um, well, thanks, David. Uh, I think probably best thing to do now is just use the last 20 minutes to do a quick overview of where we are with the open payments issues and maybe do a bit of a quick triage. Like, I think there's a few there we can, we can kind of close pretty quickly. I'm just trying to find the page. Um, I've got way too many tabs open um, as usual. Um, uh, and too many windows as well, which makes it even harder to find the tabs. Um, so I don't know, uh, I think probably the easiest is if I just share my screen and we, we have a look at them. And um, if anyone has feedback, you know, we, we try and work through them as quickly as we can. Part of what prompted this is we have a tech writer within Coil, Melissa, who um, was looking through these and you know was is keen to kind of work through the backlog um, and make sure that any issues on the open payment site are dealt with. But there's a few things here that are not really to do with the site itself, more to do with the kind of protocol discussion. So uh, I wanted to get through those if we can. Um, let me share my screen. Uh, there we go. Cool. Probably the one that's going to garner the most discussion is this first one. So maybe let's get it out of the way um, as, if we can. Um, currently in the open payment spec, we spec uh, we specify application ILP stream plus JSON as the content type that you would send in your accept header when you make a GET request. That's different to what SPSP uses today. Um, and then what we also do is we specify a different JSON doc, a JSON like schema format. The reason for that was to try and standardize on just using camel case everywhere. Um, it makes uh, translating from JSON into JavaScript objects uh, a lot simpler. Um, and also to switch a couple of the things to, in our opinion, be uh, more intuitive. So rather than talking about an account, talking about an address, because that's what it is. It's an ILP address. Um, there's a bit of discussion here. Um, it's sort of gone a bit stale. We haven't, it's almost a month since the last, um, the last comment. Um, I, I don't know uh, if folks want to still make comments on this or if we're happy to resolve it as you know, this is this is as intended. Um, I, I I liked your destination address 
suggestion, Kincaid. So maybe that could be the one, the one amendment to what we have today. Um, any other thoughts? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest um, uh, I'm gonna move this or update the docs or create a PR at least to update um, to to use destination address rather than LP address, um, and then I'm gonna close this mark that PR as closing for this. So I'll I'll do that and then um, look for comments on that PR. Um, uh, this is quite an old one, um, also Kincaid, one that you may have comments on. Um, we don't have any notes anywhere that mention um, that because of FX sort of inconsistencies and scales, it's possible that an invoice may be overpaid. Um, I think the purpose of this issue was just to ensure we had a note about that in the docs. Is that true? Yep. Yeah, just document. Okay, cool. Okay, so that's another one that can be resolved with a PR. Um, so I'll look at that as well. Um, David, I think this one's yours, yeah. Um, and so I've asked if we can close this. Uh, so currently the agreement is payment point or is resolved to URL, can't resource server wish to have admin API. Oh, this had to do with, um, I think your, in your implementation, David, you guys have got a bunch of um like account operations um uh and and you're um doing admin stuff and i think we agreed that like the admin apis are not something we would standardize like how wallets expose kind of administrative apis for their accounts is kind of up to them um are we on the same page on that uh, sorry, it's been a while, but I think the issue here yeah. was we've already used the domain space. So you, there's no like, um, in theory, we could potentially change the Java connector, but like in the future, if we had this in production, we wouldn't be able to change the URL space. So you're stepping on a, a URL space that you can't step on. Uh, but I'd have to go kind of re-read re mm. details here. Do, do you mind, can I leave, can I assign that one to you to just sure. have a look at and, and provide an update? Um, sorry, it's sort of back and forth. It's now referencing a merged PR. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna assign that to you just to have a look at and we can decide where to go from there. Was, was it changed so a lot of these um, resources don't need to live at the root. Um, well, I think everything, everything, uh, everything comes. So if the payment pointer is, for example, like that one I showed earlier, coil.com slash pay slash some UUID, that's kind of the root of all interactions around that account. You can have invoices off that that are, um, also payment pointers, but like the, the the account is that payment pointer. And if I understand you correctly, David, you're saying, well, if I wanna have admin APIs of that account, where would I host those? Like that, that sort of, that URL space is not taken. 
but it, it isn't this solved just by having the open payment server behind, you know, its own, um, you know, path, uh, you know, uh, domain slash open payments slash all the open payments APIs and then having a step, you know, any other, uh, so they don't conflict with um, your, that domain's other account APIs. Yeah, I, I think that seems to be the general pattern people are taking. I remember you had a, a, re a reason in the past, David, why that, um, why that wasn't always such a great solution. I don't know if you remember. Um, so for example, like what Coil, Coil's putting payment pointers at coil.com slash pay, um, but actually a wallet might want them to be at coil.com slash username or account ID. Do you, do you recall the rationale for like why why that was? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, I, I'm I'm reading my comment here, so I, I still have to go through here. But I'm <laughs> complaining about the content type, which means the spec was probably mandating a URL path, and I had already used that URL path for something else using the JSON content type. Okay. But yeah, let me go through here and see what actually was going. Okay, on. let's 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 not dwell on this one now. Then we've only got about ten minutes. Um, uh, this one was also, um, I think, on the back of feedback from your work, uh, David, on your team. Um, I think the conclusion here was pretty compelling, like from Kincaid, that a an explicit act wasn't necessary, um, but. We, we never really, like it's your it's your issue. So I don't know if you want to have a relook and see if that's kind of concluded to your satisfaction or not. Yeah, uh, if you want to send that to me, I'll take a look. Cool, thanks. Um, um, some of these um, may just be things that we need to go and look at. Um, so for example, this one, I, I think the answer is yes, but I mean, we're now nine months since, <laughs> since we put the issue in, I suspect some of the remaining ones are ones we put in as just reminders of stuff we needed to do, um, when we were merging in some major changes, um, yeah. It's sort of just missing documentation. So I'm happy to go and work at some of these for the next week or two, uh, like adding a CLA as a, a requirement. Um, oh, this was an interesting one, Kincaid. Um, I think this would be pretty cool to add. I don't know if you want to propose maybe a change for this. So this would be when you request the, um, the ILP address that you potentially can get back an array of different addresses um, and, and that you would have the option of sending to all of them, uh, amounts to all of them, and you would leave the open payments sort of server to collate those into or aggregate those into a single payment. It is very cool. Uh, unfortunately, I was actually gonna suggest we close this because it's just, too complex. I don't think it's a priority right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I wonder maybe like 
I'm happy to leave it open and maybe we need to just like label it as a sort of lower priority or something. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll, yeah, maybe when you think about how we do labeling, because these are spec issues, not really code issues. Um, okay, if, you, if you're happy to close it, go for it. Um, I think it's cool and to keep like thinking about for the future. Probably the right way to do that is, is that like if someone actually implements this, then we can come back and update the spec um, to reflect what the implementation's doing. Um, yeah, so, so there's a lot of work to do around client registration uh, for open payments. Um, specifically so so just for background here like open payments assumes you're using OAuth for your um, authorization so calls are made with an authorization token um, how you get that and how you as a client register and how um, users ver verify who you are is all still sort of a little bit up in the air open for discussion um, so maybe, um, maybe we need to come back and start thinking a bit more specifically about this and, and, and put a proposal together. Um, I'm happy to, to take this one on. Uh, David, I don't know if you want to help me out on that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably more, more conversation. We did quite a bit of work in PayID around this. And um, I have to say, we didn't come to a great you know, there's no magic bullet there. No, uh, I agree. Um, it, it, it's really hard. Well, I'll say it's it's really hard if you want to be fully decentralized. It's really easy if you have a single authority that just keeps a list of these are all the these are all the uh, clients that uh, people should consider safe. <laughs> um, not quite as easy. Um, Matt's not on the call, so I'm not gonna. Um, I'm going to assume we can just close this, but I'm going to assign it to him to decide if he's happy um, that we, we can close it. It's, it's pretty old now, over a year, and has, um, has no further response. We're getting into pretty old stuff here. So um, I'm happy to just assign these all to the, the owners, I think. Um, Adrian, um, quick question on, on that topic of yeah. decentralization. So one thought mm -hmm. that got tossed around was um, in PayID at least, hey, we have a coalition of you know, 20, 30 wallets. Um, what if that coalition got together and said, These, this is a trusted list. And if you want to get on the list, you need to join the, the consortium or whatever. It's not a pure decentralized system. But if it was built on open protocol, you could imagine two consortiums growing up orthogonally on the same protocol and then you know merging them one day once the business case made sense would be really easy. Yeah, I mean something like the I think I think that's the only way you're gonna bootstrap this. Um, and the design, the architecture and design needs to be such that that is easy, that like if that consortium or to merge with another one, for example, that would be straightforward to do. Um, I, I agree with you. I guess um, 
maybe we need to put a kind of proposal together on what that would look like. Um, I mean, you and I have been chatting recently about like what we could do there and how we could yeah, work with the Open Payments Coalition around PID and this. So maybe something worth revisiting uh, for us, David. We can, we can yeah. bring that back to this group. Cool. Um, this I will have a look at and see if I can close. It's, it's one that Ben raised for me and hasn't um, come back to. Um, and I think that mostly covers the important stuff. So, I, I mean, I don't want to bore everyone to tears here. I think um, there's, there's a few, um, the, there's some here I'm going to assign, um, but I forgot to. Um, Kincaid, uh, um, Wonder, do you mind maybe um, doing a PR for this note, kind of explaining what you've got in this comment? Sure. Thanks. That would be that would be helpful. Um, uh, and then I think that's good. That's we're we're off to the races. Um, okay, that one's on me. And last but not least, <laughs> explain how to stream better. Um, okay, <laughs> that might be something Melissa can help us with, but I'll, I'll chat to her about how we do that. Uh, um, cool, that, that was useful, if boring exercise. So thanks for staying along for the ride. Um, I will, uh, I'll do a bit of work on this over the next little while. Hopefully we can revisit at the next community call and. Um, chat about next steps for open payments. I think there's potentially, potentially a lot we could do here um, working with the Open Payments Coalition and the PID folks, but let's see. Um, David, we'll, we'll chat offline and see what we can put together. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes. Is there any last minute announcements, comments anyone want to make? Any thoughts on uh, a next meeting date? Because we're coming into the holidays and technically our next meeting would be 23rd of December. Um, I don't know how folks feel about skipping that entirely and going straight to the 6th of Jan. I think I'm expecting a lot of offices to be closed the following week as well. Anyone opposed to um, canceling 23rd and us having our next meeting on the 6th of January? take that as a resounding let's have a holiday so i'm going to do that so then next meeting will be 6th of jan um let's hope 2021 is better than 2020 <laughs> uh have a great holiday those who are going on holiday um those who are celebrating merry christmas and i think it's hanukkah and i'm not sure if there are any other holidays i should be mentioning those are the ones i know of um so yeah, uh, have a good holiday and we'll chat again on the 6th of Jan. Thanks everybody. Ciao.